major points uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through, uh, oh, 1 through about 21, we have a discussion going on through the blessed Holy Spirit and Word of God about walking in, the, in love, walking in light, and walking circumspectly. There's three walks mentioned in this, these 21 verses. And it's interesting to me, because everything has a context, as I mentioned last week, that he talks about walking in love, walking in light, and walking circumspectly before he does the greatest chapter in the entire Bible on marriage. Now, pretty much everybody that's married in this room is interested in anything on marriage. Now, my wife and I aren't because we completely get along, never have fights, or never disagree. Do you believe that? No, you shouldn't believe that. We had an evangelist one time get up here. He said, I've been married 42 years. I've never had one cross word with my wife. He never had any more credibility after that. He was here for another three nights, and nobody believed anything he said after that because uh, there ain't no way in Murgatroyd that that boy's been married 42 years and hadn't had a cross word with his wife. That's just not possible. We're not in heaven yet. And there's nobody walking around that good. And even if it was just one, it wouldn't be his wife. So I don't know what bottom line is. It's just we had trouble after that. Let me read first 21 verses. And then I know it's a long passage to read through, but I want to try to make some comments here after we finish reading. Be followers of God as your children. Now, how are you going to follow God? That's the first verse. Well, you're going to walk in love. That's the second verse. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. I pointed out last week that that comparison as Christ is all through this chapter. It's not just the first 21 verses, but all through verse 33. He compares our life, Christ's life. Our life, Christ's life. People say, how shall I live the Christian life? Live it like Jesus lived it. I preached recently in on the Beatitudes, some of the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are seven really Beatitudes, characteristics in the Beatitudes. Um, and those are really the characteristics of the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, there never had been a perfect man walk upon this planet until Jesus came. And he had all those attributes. Imagine being around somebody like that. It would be intimidating because you wouldn't have that. And there's disciples. My, they were a motley crew. And we're talking about fishermen. You've been around fishermen, some of the biggest liars in the world. But anyway, fishermen are a rough group of people typically. And he picked fishermen to be part of his part of his group. Eleven, Judas not being included in that. Paul, however, later being included. Twelve men to reach the world. From those twelve men, he was going to work through those twelve men to reach the world. And by the way, we're here as born-again believers in this room tonight, because in some way, through those 12 men, if you drew the lines, I mean, only God could keep records like that. But I can say this, Paul's got a big family. Apostle Paul's got a big family. Peter's got a big family. Because in one way or another, he told somebody they got saved, and they told somebody they got saved, and they told somebody they got saved, and bring it all the way up here almost 2,000 years down the road, and you got saved, and I got saved. In fact, my daughter-in-law, which when I say that, you don't have to say which daughter-in-law. My daughter-in-law, she led a, a girl of Christ, I think it was yesterday, right? Today you led a girl of Christ, and another girl came in later on, and she decided to have her baby, decided to keep her baby. So I said, you, you saved two souls. One 
spiritually and one physically. And you also save the mother from being a murderer, which will be on her conscience and defile her conscience and hard, make it hard on her. Even if you even if you if you have an abortion and ask God to forgive you, he will forgive you. He will. But it doesn't take it off your mind. You got that on your head for the rest of your life. And now in heaven, he's going to take it off your mind. The former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. So the final adoption of sons is when God takes all that stuff that's been bad that we've done here, and he takes it off your mind. You'll not remember it. You'll not know it. You'll not recall it. David said, my sin is ever before me, that he wasn't in heaven. And once he finally gets in heaven and gets the adoption of sons, you're not going to have it because heaven could not be heaven if you remember what you did down here and what you thought about down here. I think about some I think about things sometimes I'm ashamed of myself. I mean, I think, I can't even believe I thought that. Am I alone? You guys get awful quiet when I start confessing. But anyways, verse verse 2. And he's given himself for us an offering sacrifice for God, a sweet-smelling savor. And then it goes into a, a whole list of things to avoid. So when you walk in love, you avoid, if you love someone, you avoid hurting them. Now we're talking this kind of love because there are three kinds of love. There is agape love, which is a, a non-emotional. Non-emotional. I know you girls have hard time separating your mind, putting your mind around this. I'll tell you why in a minute. As far as I know, the New Testament never tells women to agape their husbands. It tells them to phileo their husband. Phileo is a friendship or a fondness. It's an emotional love. It tells women that they're to be emotionally connected to their husbands. But it tells men, I want you to be agape to your wife. I want you to be faithful in commitment unto death to your wife. And their wives, of course, to be faithful to their husbands. But mainly the main responsibility of the wife is to have emotional love to her husband because men evidently need that or it wouldn't have, it wouldn't, wouldn't be part of a request. And so. It's amazing to me that people have trouble struggling when they get born from above. They have, they have sometimes they struggle or have trouble getting away from the world, the things of the world that they've been saved from. It shouldn't be too hard because those are the things that hurt God's feelings. And those are the things that Jesus died for. And those are the things that put Jesus on the cross. So it would make sense to me that you would avoid those things with damaged or hurt the Lord Jesus who gave himself for you. That makes sense to you. Just like your wife, husbands, you're true to your wife and you try not to do things to your wife that damages your wife. It makes sense. So he says, but avoid fornic but fornication and uncleanness, covetousness, let not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish jesting, nor, nor, uh, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, and that has to do with vulgar jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving a thanks. For this ye know, I said this last week with no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man, hath an idolater, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, verse 6. For because these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. I just believe, I have to say it, there's going to be a whole group of people that are going to stand before Jesus, that believe they're born from above, that have been living in the world like the world, and the, back, the things that they got saved supposedly from, they went back into, that believe they're going to heaven, and they're going to stand before Jesus, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. 
He's going to say, I don't, I don't know you. Oh, what a horrible day that would be. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. That's sanctification. That's what I mentioned last week for verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now you're light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's the second walk. So you walk in commitment. When you get saved, it's a, it's, it's, it can be an emotional decision, but it's bigger than an emotional decision. It is a decision of commitment. I now commit my life to Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. And because of that, he says, walk in love, as I've just mentioned here. Then the second thing is, walk as children of light, in verse 8. For you are sometimes in darkness, as I mentioned there. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, in verse 9, and righteousness and truth. What is light? Light, of course, God is light. The Bible says God is light. Light has to do in the Bible with knowledge, understanding. It's been said that you'll be judged someday at the great, hopefully not the great white throne. If you go to the great white throne, they're not going to be judged about this. I'm talking about born-again Christians judged before Jesus Christ, called the Bema Seat of Christ. When you're judged before Christ, you're going to be judged with the amount of light that you have been given, with the amount of opportunity, with the amount of knowledge that you understand Christ. You'll be judged by that. The judgment will be by a God who's just and fair and honest. And so when he judges you, he's not going to judge you for something you couldn't have ever done. He's going to judge you for the things you could have done. For the, for the opportunities you had, but you did or did not do. That's going to be that whole, the whole judgment there. And be, so that's why they say we're not going to be judged for our sins. We're going to be judged for our works. Our sins are under the blood. But after you get saved, you've got an opportunity to work. It's Ephesians 5, uh, 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, that any man should boast. But you were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's verse 10. A lot of people don't go to verse 10. So after you get saved by grace without works, then you get saved by the, by the you get filled with the Holy Spirit and anointed with the Holy Spirit to work uh, for God. And that's what we're, we're to do. Of course, we can't work for God if we're back in the world doing the things of the world. He said the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, love, joy, Galatians 5, 22, 23, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance or self-control. And against such there is no law. You don't need the Ten Commandments. You don't need, you don't need any of the law uh, of, of the New Testament. You say, is there a law to the New Testament? Absolutely, there's law in the New Testament. I did a study on 100 and, I believe it was 127 commandments in the New Testament of Jesus, basically in the disciples, the Holy Spirit, as a, they, he gave specific commandments to do certain things in the New Testament. We'll be judged by those things. That's why you got to read it. That's why you got to know it. So he says, proving in verse 10 what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's verse 11. So we're to stand aggressively against evil, which means that you're not to be friends. You're not to see how close you can get to evil. You're to flee from the appearance of evil. You with me on that? For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done in them in secret. We're not to be uh, glorying in the things that are going on by the world, but all things, in verse 13, that are proved are made manifest by the light, and whatsoever doth make manifest is light. I preach a message called Push 
push them into the light. What are we doing in our in our what are we doing really being on earth after we get saved is from here out I'm trying to bring as many people to heaven with me as possible. I'm trying to push people into the light. Go, you know, go to church, read your Bible, uh, pray to God. That's pushing them into the light. Because I got into the light. I'm grateful for being in the light. I'm ever eternally grateful for that. God saved me and gave himself for me. Consequently, I I walk in love. And I walk in the light. And if you're in the light, that means you're going to reprove evil. By the way, darkness is, is just the absence of light. If you turn the lights out in here, it would, the light would leave and there would be darkness. And so when a, when a person of light, you're a children of light. Walk as children of light. So when you walk into a room, you dispel darkness. When our church here, Little Gospel Baptist Church, in some degree, we're holding back the darkness of this area. Now, there's other born-again believers in this area and gather in the various churches, and they, if they're doing what God wants them to do, also are dispelling darkness. And, and, and so, in a way, in America, as you add us all together, that's why America's not just gone off the edge. Well, you've seen what they want to do. Imagine after the rapture, what they will do when all the light is gone at once they'll be free why do they hate us is because we hinder their movement we hinder their wasn't years ago they wanted to do a they wanted to have totally topless bottomless uh dancing and stuff done in lee county now that's in my you want to go see that go to miami right you got miami's got that they've had that for years they've been corrupted for years but we don't have that here. We're, we're known kind of as a family-oriented community here. Now, I'm not saying we're all that good because we got almost everything but that, but they wanted to do it. So we, a bunch of churches in our area gathered together, went down to the courthouse there. They had a big old shindig, big meeting. We, and we said, we don't want that in our area. We don't want that. If people want that, they can move to Miami. They can move to Lauderdale. They can move to Tampa. But we don't want that in our area. And the commissioners listened to us. By the way, the strippers were all there. They gave their testimony. How wonderful they were helping people. And, and they were making men feel good. And But the commission didn't go with them. By the way, our sheriff at that time got up and testified factually from criminal records that when you bring that into a community, your crime goes up. Rape goes up, domestic crimes go up, divorce goes up, because what are you girls going to do if you find your husband at one of them places? It ain't going to be good. There'll be some murders. Verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Then we see the third walk in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, and what is circumspect walk circumspect? It means walk carefully. Pay attention. Pay attention. Don't be slobbing about this thing. Don't be careless about this thing. Pay attention to what God wants from you. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's been said, don't don't be filled with the spirits, but the spirit. 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Give me thanks always for all things and unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's mutual agreement together. Now that's that's the uh, context before the greatest, uh, from verse 21 to verse 33, the greatest verses in the New Testament, maybe the whole Bible, on marriage. Now you think that's got something to do with marriage? To walk in commitment? to walk in the knowledge of the Word of God, light, and to be careful that you pay attention to what God wants from you. That has to do with being married. That has to do, those three things may be the secret to being married. He starts out here in verse uh, 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, if you've got your Bible and you're following along, I'm going to tell you to circle. Circle in verse 22, as unto. If you've got your computer and your phone, you can color that. As unto, it's a comparison. Uh, there's, there's seven comparisons down through these verses going all the way down to 33. He says in verse 22, Wives, now submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. That's your duty. For husband is the head of the wife, even as, there's that comparison again, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. So, as Christ is the head of the church, so the man is the head of the house. There's not a 50-50 marriage. Cannot be a 50-50 marriage. If you have a husband that's right with God, he'll be benevolent. But he's still the head. And the buck stops with him. And God's going to hold him responsible for those things he does as a husband. And the husband's... Uh, so notice that even as... Then it says in verse, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. So in verse 25, it says even. So verse 24 says as. Verse 23 said even as. Verse 22 says as unto. So you see the comparison. Husbands, love your wives. That's agape to your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That is, a, that is wild. That is high standard. That you might sanctify, you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot and a wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. That's that walk circumspectly. So ought men to love their wives, that's agape love, as their own bodies. He that loves his own, he that loves his wife, loves himself. If my wife prospers, I prosper. If I love myself then I want her to do well. Kathy, in my, in my own personal life, I've tried to put Kathy in my forefront of my thinking. Even now, as I get old, I try to, I try to still put her in my forefront. Now, if I died, would she be able to make it? Would she be able to do this? Would do the, you know, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, can she, what's she going to do? How's she going to do without me or with me? or what? How's she going to do with me? Maybe a little harder than without me. Nevertheless, he says, No man had ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as, there it is again, even as the Lord the church, in verse 29, who are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. 
By the way, that's a mystery. This is a great mystery in verse 32. I speak concerning Christ and the church. How in the world does a man and a woman become one flesh? It's a mystery. And a mystery, you're not going to be able to figure it out. But God says it's true. He said what God, Jesus said it this way, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Verse 33, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love, there's that comparison again, his wife, even as himself. And the wife see she reverence her husband. What was that again, Lily? Reverence her husband? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's respect, revere, respect. My wife went through one thing women don't understand the power they have. They don't understand the power they have. If my mother-in-law, uh, every time she got around me, she would compliment me. and She'd say, boy, you're a good man. You know, I don't have a lot of people tell me that. I don't know if you can overdose on that. I'm not going around egotistical thinking I'm the greatest thing I ever walked. I know who I am. But it's nice to hear once in a while your relative, especially your mother-in-law, say, you know, you're a good man. She told me when my mother was dying and she was staying with us and we were helping mom, she said, you boys have treated your mother as good as anybody could ever treat your mother. She was lifting me up, lifting me up. Ladies, you can lift your husbands up. It's for your own benefit. Now, there's, you say, well, I remember all. That black list, you got to burn it. You got to burn that list. I've been in marriage counseling where a woman can go down 10, 20 things of guys done wrong. Now, you get, if I told you to remember a list of 20 things, for some of you, you'd say, I never could do that. I can't remember 20 things in a row. Well, why is it you can remember 20 bad things your husband did? Kill that thing. Burn that thing. Write that on a piece of paper and burn it and say, anytime that comes back in my mind, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm going to bring up the good things about my husband. I'm going to bring out the, I'm going to treat him in a way that lifts him up. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll pay off. It'll pay off. That's what it means to reverence your husband. It's to think about the good and brag about it. And, and, and avoid the bad. And avoid the bad. There are so women. Women lose their respect for their. And, and here's what they'll tell me: Well, he did this and he did that, and he don't deserve my respect. God told you to reverence your husband, and he does deserve your respect. I'm not telling you to reverence your husband. God's telling you to reverence your husband, and he deserves your respect. So you're not going to give me that old line. My husband doesn't deserve my respect, so I'm not going to respect him. Stop it. That's the flesh. The Bible says, ladies, reverence your husband. I have seen women win their old, gnarly, mean, junkyard dog husbands to Christ the Bible way. Eileen Woodard. She won her husband to Christ. You knew Don after he got saved. I never knew him before he got saved, but he, woo, he was a, he was a and, a, and there was, I have lists of women. Uh, Bernice Naudruff, these are old names, Bernice Naudruff. 
that old boy, I wanted to go punch him in the mouth. He was a mean, he would, here's what she'd tell me. She'd come to church on Sunday night. She says, now when I go home, he's going to beat me. When I go home, he's going to beat me. And now you women right now, your hair is standing up in the back of your, whatever hair you got on your back is standing up. And, and, and you're saying, I'd kill a guy like that. But you wouldn't want him to Christ either. He got saved about a year or two before he died. He got saved. Became a sweet that little period of time. But I'm going to tell you, eternity is a long time. And all the, what was his name? You know Bernice's husband's name. Was it Bert? Well, he got, he got, I used to, I've, I've lost it. But he, he got born from above. And, and, and any women that I have seen win their husbands, they didn't win it by opposing them. They won, it, won, them, won them by submitting to them. Now, that doesn't mean if he tells you to go do some wicked thing, you got to say no. If he tells you to do some sin, you got to say no. But the only reason you can do that is because you have a higher power. Christ is ultimately the highest power. But otherwise, if he doesn't ask you to do something that the Bible says is wrong, submit to your husband. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And that, that comparison there, man, is just so powerful. And what's amazing to me about this, about this chapter 5 is the, is the first 21 verses that preceded verse 22 to 33. Walk in love. If you don't have agape love, you're not going to make it. Walk in the light. If you don't understand the Word of God, you're not going to make it. Walk circumspectly. If you don't take a careful attention to what God says about it, you're not going to make it. Let me tell you this. Psychology offers nothing for us. For us. Psychologists and psychiatrists offer nothing for the born-again believer. They need what we have. If you look the statistics up, Google it, fact-check me. Psychologists, one of the biggest psychologists, professionals, have one of the highest suicide rates right around dentists. You wouldn't think that, but dentists, big suicide rate among dentists. If you were looking in decaying mouths every day, you may want to kill yourself too, but dentists are big suicide rate. And psychologists are big suicide. I had one here, PhD psychologist. She'd had her own practice, had her hung a shingle out, tried to help people. She came to me and we had a big constant thing. I've told this before, and I gave her uh, some information and she said, I'd have nothing to offer anybody. But the Bible does. She got she saved, she got saved and lived for God till she died. You can trust the book. Don't go try to reinvent the wheel. We have we have people we have people sometimes you have had trouble with their family and they go to psychologists and they don't come to us and they don't come to they they probably don't want the preacher to know about it because they're afraid it it'd be embarrassed. It would be better to be embarrassed and get right than it would to hide it. Go to some psychologist who has nothing to offer you. Circumstantial psychology, which is taught in all the universities, simply says your problems are somebody else's fault. Your daddy didn't take you to a baseball game when he said he was supposed to. You got bitter at him, went out and did drugs, and got to be an alcoholic. Shame on your dad. No shame on you for being a stupid idiot. 
Psychology is not for us. Psychology and all that else is just not. Circumstance, it's not, it's not. The Bible, these are not vain words I'm speaking. The Bible has the answer. These are not vain words I'm speaking. Christ is the answer. There's not a problem you'll have in life the Bible doesn't have an answer for. Every problem that is really a problem. Now, how to how to get out of Facebook? I can't help you. If, if if you get hacked on Facebook, how to get some help? I can't help you there. But I can I can tell you that real problems, spiritual problems, the Bible has the answer. So let me finish with this. Ephesians 5.22 demonstrated in our marriages where the world fails, we should succeed. We have every reason to succeed as born-again believers. There'll be no excuse for failure, really. And then that's the end. That's Oh, those are nice days. Down in uh, Todd and Eileen down in uh, Isla Morada, I believe that was. But there's a better day a coming. We're not home yet. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you, it's true. Thank you, we can rely on it. Thank you, we can lean on it. Thank you for your exhortations to walk in love and walk in the light and walk circumspectly. To have a marriage based upon your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.